Oklahoma City Thunder earned an impressive win over the LA Lakers. Chet Holmgren was able to take on the matchup of AD and played even better than the box score shows. SGA is a matchup nightmare, and J-Dub was actually the key to this win for Oklahoma City. We'll talk about it all on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Game Time, the Oklahoma City Thunder were looking to snap their losing streak to the Lakers, and they did just that. Despite LeBron and AD playing, OKC saw some matchups that they could exploit, and J-Dub was the key to this game. Today's show brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. Today, you can go there right now and create your account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase for the last-minute prices, the last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed at Game Time. So LeBron and AD did play, obviously. You know, despite them being out there, the Lakers were at a disadvantage. This is their fourth uh, road game and final game on the road trip and second night of a back-to-back just getting in from Detroit, uh, playing the Pistons the night before. The Thunder were motivated to end a two-game uh, you know, skid, and this is their the best portion of their schedule in the sense of rest. They've had a lot of off days. Uh, they've been able to have a lot of games spread out over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, the Thunder were also fully healthy. They were only missing Usman Jang and Keontae Johnson, who are both with the G League team as the G League starts to ramp up and, and the Thunder kind of swing their schedule back uh, to the home side of things. They play a lot of home games this year. Uh, this week, the Blue do Sunday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So they're going to get a lot of reps down there with the Blue. Now, this game started out ex- extremely sloppy for both sides. Turnovers, uh, some bad misses. The Thunder were generating some good shots and and they were just flat out missing. Uh, and the Lakers actually got up by 14 points in the first quarter. That's the NBA. It's a game of runs, so uh, the game never felt over. But it was certainly a really good uh, start for the Lakers after each side traded some turnovers. I mean, it was like 2-2 two to two at the 10-minute mark. And then from there, uh, it was all Lakers for the middle of that first quarter, and they grew that 14-point lead. Uh, you know, the Lakers, you know, kind of had a, a really good start despite all of the rest factor. And then it was SGA who erupted at the end of the first, put OKC down just seven. And you start to you start to see him in this game take over and and he felt the game out at first. And the Thunder, as I said, were missing good shots. So it, it's it's tough to say that Shea should have been uh more aggressive at the beginning portion of the game because they were getting such clean looks and they were just missing. But at the end of the day, when you have a superstar like SGA and he has a matchup like Max Christie, you'd rather go at that matchup at the sacrifice of maybe you miss a kick out to a wide open, you know, three point shooter, but you'd rather kind of have SGA be the engine in that case. And so he did that at the end of the first quarter, it got the thunder all the way down to seven. And then here was the pivotal part of the game. 
So you cut the Lakers lead in half. You go to the second quarter. We know the rotation. Shea's not going to play to start the second quarter. And typically, this has been the spell for the Thunder that either A, at the best case scenario, makes them work incredibly hard and 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 you go through the scoring lull, then then on the back end, they've got to work really hard to get back in the game and hopefully, you know, for their sake, win. Or it just dooms you right here in this little lull that you usually have offensively with SGA on the bench. However, in this game, it was the secondary scores and secondary players while Shea was on the bench that helped the Thunder not only you know, hold on to this game, they didn't just tread water. They didn't just bide time and wait for SGA to return. SGA returns to this game with a one-point lead. And they actually boost that lead to four on the missed free throw. You know, Shea, of course, checks in in between two free throws. Uh, Kenny Hustle missed it, kicked it out to Isaiah Joe uh, for a corner three. So by the time SGA got a real possession under his belt, the Thunder were up four points from being down seven when he left. That right there, that that ability to um, kind of continue that momentum that Shea got you at the end of the first quarter and regain the lead or, or take over the lead uh, from there, that is the difference. That will be the key for the Thunder and how successful they can be. It's what can you do with that momentum that Shea's going to generate you 99.999% of the time uh, at the end of first quarters. Can you keep up uh, the pace and, and can you keep up um, you know, that, that scoring that he's going to provide you in the second quarter whenever he's not in the game? And so the Thunder then never looked back. At the, by the end of the half, the, the, the Thunder had gone up by as many as 12 points the first half. For this young Thunder team, saw five lead changes, six ties, but then getting up by 12, going into intermission. Here's another key point in the season where, to this point, you know the third quarter has not been as great as it was last year. And I think that a large part of that is last year, you're playing from behind. Last year, uh, you're the team playing catch up and you're the team that kind of is able to make the adjustments and, and it's easier to make adjustments whenever you're on the wrong side of things versus on the right side of things. Uh, and you're able to deliver that punch out of the locker room. But in this case, they were able to not only hold on to that lead, but then set this thing on fire, swell their lead up to 20 points in the third quarter. Uh, the Paycom Center crowd deserves a ton of credit. That crowd was electric in this game against the Lakers. Uh, they, they eventually got a 23-point lead, but the third quarter they got a 20-point lead, and it was over from there. Uh, by the end of the game, both sides emptied out their benches for different reasons. Uh, the Thunder, one points in the paint, 54 to 38, which was huge for them to just kind of uh, get into the paint and get kind of whatever they wanted. Uh, they, they also won second chance points, 13 to 6. They won fast break points, 26 to 13. They won the rebounding battle, 51-46. They forced 13 turnovers, and the Thunder turned the ball over less than 10 times. This is the identity of the Thunder, and this is what it looks like when they're hitting on all cylinders. Not just the 20-point win, but the 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 process to get there. It was about them playing their fast-paced, uh, ball movement, cutting style, getting out and running, but not at the cost of turnovers. They had seven turnovers. Four of those came in the beginning part of the first quarter when they were just throwing the ball around, right? So, the, you know, the, the turnovers being limited, especially after that first frame. That's what you have to do. And a lot of the times it's easy to just say, well, they play so fast, you're going to have turnovers. You you can play under control while playing at the tempo that the Thunder want to play at. 
And they were able to do that against the Lakers. And the Thunder shot 53% from the floor, 33% from three, 86% from the free throw line. Now, they were generating some good three-point shots that just didn't fall. So were the Lakers, by the way. The Lakers had a couple, uh, a few misses in the corner. I believe it was Torian Prince that, that missed a lot of them uh, in, in the corner whenever he was open. But they shot 33% from the corner as well. But here's the key. Both teams shot 33% from three. But inside the arc, the Lakers only shot 44%. Uh, because the Thunder were able to play such tough defense, and we're going to go through the laundry list of players that had a really good game. Uh, the Lakers shot 84% at the charity strike, but this was a great response uh, by the Thunder. The, you know, they lose two straight. Um, you know, you lose a close game to Philly, lose a close game to uh, Minnesota. You're playing LeBron, playing AD, uh, and the big kicker here to me is that this team not only got back to the way that they w- will win, they just flat out, out outworked LA. And look, it's it's easier to outwork teams whenever they're on the fourth game of a road trip and the second night of a back-to-back. But they just outworked LA. They brought more intensity. They brought more energy. And they brought more physicality. All those things have been, at times, missing for the Thunder. Most In, in most of their games where they've lost, you can look back and say that they didn't do those things very well. In this game, they did those things at an excellent rate, and you saw just how good this team can be. And so, you know, another aspect of this is Anthony Davis had a phenomenal game. That was not from a lack of uh, effort or a lack of of good defense. Like the Thunder played really good defense on AD. He's just AD. He's just an MVP caliber player. There's not really anything you can do, you know, with, with Anthony Davis. You know, LeBron, you know, had, had an average game by his standards. Uh, Austin Reeves had an average game by his standards. But no role player, no no Troy Brown Jr.-esque game in this one to, to control kind of what you can control. Not to say that you can't, you know, you know, do better against superstars, but oftentimes the league is shifted so heavily toward offense. And, and in this case, whenever you have AD against this kind of smaller Thunder team who, who really leaned into uh, playing small this game against AD, you know, oftentimes there's just not much you can do. So that's kind of uncontrollable of like, like Jokic and Embiid and AD and LeBron and you know, Luka tomorrow. Like these guys, they're going to get their buckets and they're going to, they're going to score. But it's how do you limit everything else with respect to every other player in the NBA? It's much easier to limit, uh, you know, Grant Williams tomorrow than it is to limit Luka Doncic. So like, how do you control those things? And the Thunder did that very well in this game. And so they just played an awesome game from top to bottom. Uh, it became a blowout in that, in that kind of third quarter, it became a blowout, felt really good at halftime, obviously. And it was just a really good response within the game as well. Like you saw Chet and you saw other players who didn't start great, but after their first, you know, after their first stoppage and, 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 and when they got subbed back in, it looked totally different on the floor. We're going to talk about Chet Holmgren, who I thought played even better than the box score. And even the highlight that's circling around Twitter right now shows, I thought J-Dub was the true key to this game. And then SGA exploiting a mismatch all coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but I got friends over at FanDuel, folks. FanDuel is great. Go there right now. Go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. So when you go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown and you create your account uh, for the first time, what you can do is, you can get $150 in bonus bets by winning a $5 money line bet. That's a $5 money line bet, uh, which the money line is just who you think will win. So you place that $5 money line bet. If you do win it, you win $150 in bonus bets back, including what you won from your bet if your team wins. So the money line is great because you're, you're just predicting who wins. And you can take the biggest favor on the board and cash in on this bonus bet as long as they do win. You can also bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The reason why I love FanDuel right now is because of just the plethora 
of things you can do. College football, NFL, college basketball, NBA, NHL is happening right now. You can bet on it all over there at FanDuel. And so I love to go check out kind of what Vegas is thinking about these NBA games, the magic our 11-point favorites against uh, the Wizards. The, the Celtics are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against uh, the Sixers, who, who might not have them beaten this game. So that kind of tells you a key thing. The Thunder are playing another team on the second night of a back-to-back. The Mavericks at home against the Grizzlies tonight uh, are favorites by six-and-a-half points. They play again tomorrow, a late tip, uh, though, to so give a little bit more hours to, to, the, to the Mavericks to, to kind of recuperate. Uh, but the Mavericks playing the Grizzlies, you can go bet on that as well. So go to FanDuel.com right now, slash locked on. Get $150 in bonus bets if you win your $5 money line bet. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, Chet Holmgren, what a game from Chet Holmgren. I don't I don't think that the box score does him justice in this one. Uh, I think it's also just pivotal to uh keep this in perspective of how how short this has been. Not at the 20 game mark of his NBA career yet, not even a quarter of the way through his first NBA season and you have a guy who is a a hoops junkie, a basketball sicko, an addict to the game and with a great work ethic a week like this where you're playing and be to Gobert Towns to AD a week like this is going to springboard Chet Holmgren into the next step of his game, getting, getting them experience and how to adjust to, to playing these guys. You can see it happen in real time. You know, if you have time uh, today, go back and, and watch, you know, Chet Holmgren's possessions against Embiid, Rudy and AD and watch how each possession that goes by, he changes little minor things uh, you know, about his game in order to adapt. He got two fouls in this game on the defensive end. By the six-minute mark, he had two fouls. He finishes the game, the entire game he finishes, with just three fouls. It's the learning on the fly of how to adjust and how to defend that kind of shows you just how good Chet Holmgren can be. And look, I, I, yeah, he missed some wide open three pointers today. He's kind of on a bit of a of a spell on the, on the three pointer, you know, scenario. He's shot like you know thirty six percent in his last five games, which you know is still good, but like it's not like where it was. Uh, and we knew he wasn't going to shoot fifty percent from three the entire season. But it's the fact that he can still impact the games when those open threes are not falling. Uh, you know, poking the ball free from LeBron in transition, finishing on the other end. A pump fake step-in elbow jumper is going to be so lethal for him as he gets to do it quicker, right? Because sometimes it looks like maybe he's still thinking about, ah, sh- should I should I do this right now? Should I effectively in the possession potentially this early in the shot clock? But like, he is so good at shooting in the mid-range that I don't care if the flyby happens at 20 seconds on the shot clock. You take advantage of that flyby dribble in mid-range jumper, and mo- more often than not, it's going to go in. And more often than not, you're going to generate points, whereas you're not promised that if you get deeper and deeper into uh, the shot clock, you're not promised a better look than what than what Chet has. And so you saw him get more comfortable doing those things off the dribble as the game continued. Now, the spinning fadeaway over AD was awesome. And so I thought he responded very well to the physicality of the game. And Mark touched on this even post-game where like at the beginning, AD was very physical and like you know, didn't handle it too well his first stint. He got sent to the bench after the two early fouls and he came back 
was a much different player in terms of just the, the sheer ability to take on contact from Anthony Davis. And I thought, you know, it's not going to show up this way by any uh, metric necessarily, but I thought that he defended Anthony Davis in, in insanely well. But Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the world. So, like, you can defend him all you want very well. You can uh, you, you can have great contest. You, 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 can, you can body him. You can do whatever you want to do on AD. He's going to score. And he's going to score over you, score through you, and just be elite. And that's what happened, I thought. I thought it was more so AD's just elite versus Chet's not playing good defense. But you saw him have much more fluid handles on this game and kind of trust himself more to, to score off the bounce. And he was able to split the defense at the, at the rim, tough rim finish. My favorite shot from Chet this game was walking AD to his spot at the nail and then rising up for a mid-range jumper right at the charity stripe over an outstretched Anthony Davis. If you can do that over AD and trust yourself and, and, and get that shot off over AD, you can do that to a lot, a lot, a lot of other big men. A lot of other big men. 18 points, five rebounds, an assist, uh, two steals, three fouls. Again, picked up two by like the six-minute mark and uh, was able to only pick up one the rest of the way. A plus 16 in this game. He went one for six from three, but still shot 53% from the floor. Really good game from him uh, shooting the ball. SGA was able to take advantage of Max Christie in this game. And, you know, as I said before, you know, I get it. They were generating really good shots, but sometimes you have to recognize like, hey, you'd rather hunt Max Christie than generate a wide open shot for anyone else if you're SGA. And so it's tough to criticize that, though, because of how good the shot quality was in the first quarter. I just think that sometimes you should lean on the mismatch. We'll see kind of what that ends up being. Uh, as the season progresses, but he only had four shots at the three minute mark in the uh, first quarter. And then he goes on in that first quarter to end out with like 16 points because from there he got trips to the line. He got up as many shots in the last three minutes as he did in the first to whatever minutes of the first quarter. Uh, and the thunder were down just seven after he left the game. And so you saw him be able to finish through Max Christie because he was just able to be stronger than him, but also Max Christie couldn't like keep up with, him off the dribble. Max Christie couldn't keep up with the length of SGA. It was just a bad matchup for, for the Lakers to put Christie on, on SGA. And you, you get to have the benefit of the opposite of what you saw with AD where it's like Max Christie didn't do anything, you know, terrible, you know, in this game, SGA is just incredibly special. And like, he just, he just didn't have the, the ability to, to stay in front to stay with SGA. And so he got Max Christie in foul trouble Christie had four fouls. Um, you know, everyone that they put on SGA got into foul trouble. SGA shot 10 free throws in this game. SGA looked like an MVP front runner. And, and the ability for Shea to take over the game at the end of the first quarter and get you back within seven, that is a more manageable task for that secondary group, uh, that those secondary scores, than it would be if they were down like 14. So he got it more manageable. Then... He closed out the game, and, and we never think about um, closing out the game whenever you win by 20, but you know the Thunder were able to continue to push the pace once Shea got back in the game up one, go up 12, and they didn't just stop there. The, Shea closed out that third quarter. Uh, you know, by, by, by the middle of the third quarter, the game's over. By the middle of the third quarter, the Thunder up 20 because SGA came out of the locker room and was able to impose his will on the Lakers and and, and keep his foot on the gas and sweep the leg and do all the other, um, you know, 
adages you want to put out there or, or, or ways you want to describe it, but him kind of, kind of imposing his will on the Lakers and forcing them to kind of quit allowed for the Thunder to gain some additional rest on a, on a really uh, great portion of their schedule to get rest. So Shea was great. Um, whenever you look at Shea, he continues to do all the great, all the right things. Like I know that for a long time, people have wanted to uh, push him out of Oklahoma city and question like, Oh, is, is he ever going to demand a trade? Look, the bottom line is I, I see this sentiment even still with some Thunder fans of like, Oh, well, they're, well, they're only a, a Shea trade request away from, from this being a disaster. Folks, I've got news for you. If you, if you want to be a Thunder fan, if you want to follow the Thunder, from now until whenever the NBA ends, the Oklahoma City Thunder, so long as they're in Oklahoma City, will always be a trade request away from disaster. Because you're never gonna gonna have the advantage that like LA has or that Miami has or that insert big market here has. You are always at the mercy of a player and their demands. You've just got to do whatever you can to avoid having a player exercise those, you know, you know, player, uh, player uh, freedoms and like, you know, player empowerment moves of demanding trades. So like, yeah, technically speaking, they are a trade demand away from anyone, uh, you know, in this scenario. However, don't just, don't just project that onto Shea because to this point, not only have the Thunder been exceeding expectations, but to this point, Shea has been saying all the right things every chance he gets. He's never stumbled. He's never, uh, you know, been ill-prepared. He's never, you know, said or alluded to anything other than love my teammates, love, 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 love the guys we have here. I know that I need them to get where I want to go, et cetera, et cetera. He said it again after this game. Like, Shea, from what we know right now, is fully committed to Oklahoma City. The Thunder, we know, are fully committed to him. And so to keep projecting that onto Shea is, is rather tiresome because at some point, you just have to believe the players. Like at some point, you just have to believe what they say or else what's this all for, right? If we're never going to believe them, then what's the point of even of even asking the questions? He's been asked the questions from the time he got to Oklahoma City up until last night, and he's always said the same things and said the right things. So I wouldn't live in fear of like the Shea timeline and the Shea potential trade request to whatever, like that, that stuff is so far out in the future. And at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do, right? It's either going to happen or it's not. And there's no, like, there, there's nothing to even address there. Uh, but I did ask him about uh, his favorite apples. He said that Macintosh was his favorite apple as is mine. MacBook pro is the way to go for my liking. But he does say that he always slices the apples at home. However, pregame, not enough time to slice it. So he eats the apple just, you know, kind of uh, whole, uh, if you will. I got to say, I got to say, got to get a professional apple slicer in Oklahoma City. Slice those apples pregame, and away we go. Uh, 33 uh, points for him, seven assists, four rebounds, a steal, 66, uh, 61% from the floor, one for four from three, 10 for 10 at the charity stripe. I think that Jalen Williams was the absolute key to this win. And I know that you're going to think that's crazy to pin it on one player whenever you win by 20 points, but 
I'm going to tell you why. It is all on Jalen Williams after this. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at Game Time. Game Time is great. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Folks, what Game Time does is that they give you the last-minute prices, last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. So if you're waiting around, yesterday was a fantastic example of this. You know, LeBron, questionable, AD, probable. You want to wait, you want to wait, you want to wait, see if they're going to actually play before you go and jump on those tickets. That's what game time's for. In, in the world of the NBA, we're like, the injury reports come out and they're not, they're, they're kind of vague and you never know just might what pop up and might what happened. Game time is there for you because you can buy tickets up to tip off and even beyond tip off at game time. So go there right now to game time, create your account, use code locked in NBA for $20 off your first purchase. They have last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. They have zone deals. They have flash deals and they make it easy to buy tickets to any event you want from sports uh, to theater, to um, movies, comedy shows, whatever you're into, they have the tickets for you at game time. So go there right now and find the events you want. And you can even get a view from your seat. So you know exactly what you're going to buy, what to expect when you arrive. And it's all in on prices. They show you the exact total up front. So you're not guessing or, or worried about hidden fees. You get the exact uh, total right there. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps over there at game time. So go download the game time app, create an account, use code locked in NBA for $20 off your first purchase. That's terms and conditions do apply. You can use your account, create the account, redeem code locked in NBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off your first purchase. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, Jalen Williams, J-Dub, deserves all the credit for this game. We have seen time and time again where that you know, second quarter scoring Lowell hits. And after battling back from down 14 to cut it to seven, if that second quarter scoring Lowell hits again with Che on the bench in this game, that lead balloons back up to 14 and possibly even greater. And that changes the entire complexity of the game. And even if you're just able to tread water, right? And like Shea has to come back still down seven. That changes how you're able to to approach the rest of this game. So, like, that was the swing moment. And every game, regardless of the final score, has a swing moment. And the swing moment was J-Dub being able to take over this game and being able to be the the straw that stirs the drink. He got the N1. uh, He had that leaning mid-range shot with like four seconds on the shot clock on the, on the side out. That was a great play by him. The tough running hook shot, the rim taken on contact, uh, going into the timeout to get OKC the lead. And so you know, he had some great passes as well. Like he was able to score and he was able to facilitate. And I thought he did a much better job in this game of blending those two together of blending playing the right way with, Hey, bottom line is the best score on the floor right now you got to go get buckets at some point. Like he did a great job of blending all those two things. He had some really nice passes, including two of the same caliber of pass, same type of pass where he drives toward a shooter, dumps it off behind his back. Uh, he hit Kaysen on a wide open three. Kaysen happened to miss. He's not going to miss very many of those opportunities. He did it again to Lou Dort where like he you know, drives toward uh, the shooter, dumps it off to him behind his back and then turns into a screener. 
hits Dort's defender, can't close out. Dort hits a wide open three. Really uh, awesome creative passing from J-Dub. Uh, and, and, and like ultimately the block on LeBron, his ability to help Lou Dort and help Chet, you know, kind of plug the lanes and and make the Lakers play in traffic and, and, and deflect the ball from AD, like those things all added up throughout the game as well. And the Thunder don't blow this game out without J-Dub, especially, and they might not win without what J-Dub provided them in this game. Because to avoid that scoring lull was awesome. It was a great response from that Minnesota game. He even mentioned, you know, shoot around that like, Minnesota game, yeah, like it, it was not great to to go two for ten, and he obviously didn't shoot the ball well. But he mentioned that um, he was really fatigued in that game, and it's an interesting note that that like he was out for so long, and in terms of sheer rest, that really helped. But like he went over a week without playing NBA basketball, and I asked Mark uh, about kind of the differences in like NBA practices versus G League practices because of the Thunder have sent Usman Jang to, to practice with the, with the blue. And like he mentioned that like with the, with the G league, your schedule is so spaced out that like practices are, are high intensity and, and more intense and you can get more out of practices in the G league than it is in the NBA. Cause in, in the NBA, you know, yes, you're practicing like they practice today, for example, yes, you're practicing, but it's more recovery based versus like getting better getting more developmental, you know, reps and, and and just kind of going harder in practice. So like, you know, Jada got to practice a couple of times before Minnesota, but that's still, that still was not like able to ramp him up. So like really Minnesota was the, was the way to ramp up. And he mentioned that the fatigue sat in and you can kind of, you can kind of see that now looking back on it. And then you saw him get right back on track against LA on Thursday, 21.7 assists, five rebounds, a block, 61% from the floor. And again, you know, they don't win this game without J-Dub. Wiggins was huge, really big in the third quarter, had a couple triples, hard drives, uh, really good defense, six points, five boards, and assist. Uh, he just makes a winning impact. I mean, five rebounds from him, uh, seven rebounds from Lou Dort. Those two guys were pivotal in helping the Thunder win. Uh, Wiggins was great in the second quarter, kind of in the middle quarters, really. Lou Dort, he just had a great job of, of swarming and, uh, and poking the ball loose from AD uh, multiple times, especially early on in this game. Uh, he he did a great job making decisions too. Like you know, the, he would swing the ball around the perimeter very well. And sometimes like, sometimes guys just like swing the ball around the perimeter without like really thinking about it. You saw Lou Dort kind of take advantage of uh, playing two on one in that, in that short corner with Isaiah Joe, where he starts to little up a shot and that gets the defender to commit to Lou Dort. And then he immediately just throws it over to Joe and Joe is wide open in the deep corner. Yes. The shot did miss. We know that like Joe's going to hit those shots more often than not. Like Lou Dort, being able to process that and get that advantage for OKC kind of shows where his decision-making has improved throughout this uh, throughout this season and throughout his career. And obviously it's been a big point of emphasis for him this year. Two for five from three from him, 55% from the floor, huge impact. He had a block, he had two steals, he had three assists, seven rebounds, 12 points. He was massive on the glass. Isaiah Joe, another massive player blocking AD. He had three blocks in this game and a steal. He had five rebounds in his own right. Like, Isaiah Joe only shot two for six from three, but the reason he's so impactful and the reason why he's a playoff player is because he's more than a shooter. Like he hits timely threes. Like the Paycom center just bursted whenever he hit that uh, three into a Lakers uh, timeout. It just erupted. But like, even whenever his shot is only two for six, which like we, we've seen him go off for seven, for seven from three. So like when it's only two for six, the five rebounds to steal and the three blocks, like the, the block on AD into transition 
was the dagger in this game? Was the official like, hey, okay, now the Lakers uh, have waved the white flag in this game? 10 points, he was a plus 19, just doing everything right. Positional defense, uh, deflections, help help rotations, uh, cutting and, and movement off ball, which with his shooting gravity, you should go back and kind of watch other players' baskets whenever he's on the floor. Oftentimes, where Joe is positioning himself on the floor is drawing attention away from the from the actual action, kind of like a dummy cut from Isaiah Joe, drawing people away from the actual action on the other side of the court, and it's able to clear up space and to clear up uh, windows to score for the Thunder. So like, even whenever he's technically not doing anything, like he doesn't have the ball in his hands, they're not swinging the ball to him, he is still commanding so much respect from the defense that you're pulling guys away uh, from where the Thunder are trying to score. So he does a really good job of creating space for OKC. Now, Cason Wallace, just plus 19, two for four from beyond the arc, three boards and assists to block. He's just an awesome defender in all capacities. He's awesome within the team construct. He's awesome whenever he gets put on an island. Just just stellar from him. Uh, MVP of the game, SGA is an obvious answer. Chet is another answer from this one. But Isaiah Joe was stellar in this game, and, and, and he deserves some opportunity but you know, I don't think that the Thunder win this game without J-Dub, so let's give it to J-Dub for the MVP of this game. Song of the game, make my dreams come true. They played Hollow Notes today. That got me really fired up listening to Hollow Notes at the Paycom Center. I really appreciate everyone listening, wherever you listen. I really appreciate uh, this week, those of you that have been sending me your Spotify raps. I love, love seeing your Spotify raps. I'll repost them. I do all I can uh, to, to show you uh, appreciation there. Thank you so much making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball back tomorrow, post Mavs game. That'll be a lot of fun. And then five days a week. Uh, so it'll be a lot of, it'll be a lot of fun following this team throughout all of this. They play the Mavericks tomorrow, Rockets, Warriors next week. That'll be some big games, especially for this fan base. So until then be good and be good to one another.